Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, it's, it really is. It's fascinating. It's astonishing, stunning to watch the whole narrative collapse in live time. The leftist lunatics and the lies and the house of cards just collapse on top of them. It's just, I mean, what an ongoing tragedy to watch. How we all, we called it on the right a year and a half ago, and now they start trickling out the truth, these goons on the left, pretending we're just going to forget the mountain of lies that they piled upon us. I'm not going to forget. Watch, I've got video today showing exactly that. And we'll end the show today with some two really heartwarming videos. I don't do that too often, but Nick Saban last night who lost uh, you know, with the Alabama-Georgia title game. Georgia won. Congrats to Georgia. And uh, also, uh, Norm MacDonald on Bob Saget, uh, both of whom have now tragically passed, but a really heartwarming video. It's something you want to see. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Uh, let's get right to it. I've also got a story today about MSNBC um, showing you how they isolate you from the truth. You know, on my Fox show, we do debates with leftists. Not on MSNBC. They are terrified that a Republican might actually appear on their show. We got the proof coming up. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Joe, let's go, Daddy O. They're off, brother. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir, we are. Yes, sirry, Bob. Bob. The narrative is totally collapsing by the minute now. Ladies and gentlemen, the dam is broken. The water's flushing through. It is now over for the left as they have to belatedly acknowledge, acknowledge they're imbeciles and we've been correct the whole time. Exhibit number one, CNN yesterday, Sanjay Gupta, he was on with Jake Tapper. And CNN, Sanjay Gupta, had to admit that, listen, what we told people a long time ago, that the hospitalization COVID numbers were likely being inflated because if you wind up in a hospital because of an ingrown toenail that gets infected and they test you for corona and you test positive, you were being coded in many cases or being uh, being talked about, at least in the public discourse on the left, as a COVID case in the hospital. You were not a COVID case. You were an ingrown toenail case who had COVID, not the other way around. Big difference. Everybody get that? Of course you do. You've been listening to this show and conservative media for a year. We've been telling you the truth and the misinformation merchants on the left have been lying to you. Here's Sanjay Gupta on CNN finally acknowledging with Jake Tapper yesterday that yes, being in the hospital with COVID and because of COVID are two different things here. Check this out. So the hospitals are still stretched thin because of this. So I'm not trying to take away from that. But if 40% in some hospitals, 40% of the people who have COVID don't necessarily have problematic COVID. They're there because they got in a car accident. They get, they're there because, right. um, you know, they, they bump their head and they're being included as in the hospital with COVID. That number seems kind of misleading. Yeah, I agree, Jake. It surprises me that they have not been able to parse out that data more carefully. I think the data that uh, uh, Dr. Olensky is quoting is from New York State, and we've been following that data as well. And I can show you what we've seen, uh, sort of sort of tracks with what she said. But out of all the patients that are in the hospital, about 57 percent, these are COVID patients, admitted because of or complications from COVID, 43 percent admitted for other reasons and then diagnosed with COVID. Oh, my gosh. We've only been saying this for a year. Now, why? Why? Folks, this is just so it it pains me to have to tell you this, how disingenuous and how grotesque our government has become. These swamp beings and these 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 just. I'm I got to stop myself. I'm going to say something I don't I don't want to because I want to keep the focus on what's going on here and not my emotions surrounding it. You have been lied to for two years now, for two reasons and two reasons only. They wanted to attack Donald Trump, and now they want to protect Joe Biden, who by his own measure, remember when he said any president on guard 
while there's 220,000 deaths from COVID doesn't deserve to be president. There are more deaths now under, under Biden. So now what does the media do? They needed a fear porn campaign. Hospitals are overflowing. People are dying everywhere with COVID. They're burning the bodies, Joe, in the emergency room. It's everywhere. People are being treated on the roofs, in the parking lots. There's mass death. There, it's happening everywhere. There's no doctors. Meanwhile, doing dance videos and stuff in the hallway of these hospitals, right? It's all The hospitals are overflowing. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. That was perfect. <laughs> One of my favorite movies, Ghostbusters. It's true. That's what was happening. Why? Not because any of it was true. Of course, there were hospitals that had issues, but not because it was happening anyway and systemically throughout the country, but because they needed to make it appear that Donald Trump didn't have his arms around and a bear hug the situation and lost control so they can attack him. Now that Joe Biden's numbers on coronavirus are far far worse. They have to start to dial all that back. Dial it back. Dial it back. No, none of that's happening now. All these people in the hospital that are sick, unlike Trump, these people are there just with COVID, not because of COVID. It's so disgusting to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, please, I'm begging you. I am begging you. I am literally begging you. Please tune these idiots out. Here's another example. Of course, the left hated the vaccine when the vaccine uh, first hit the market because it was a, uh, a Donald Trump operation, warp speed phenomenon. Then when Joe Biden got in office, people loved the vaccine. They worshiped the vaccine like it was a god, like it was Gozer the Gozerian from Ghostbusters, <laughs> right? They worshiped the Oh, my God, you don't take the vaccine. You're killing people. Because it stops transmission. Remember Rachel Maddow? It stops to pounding the desk. When you take the vaccine, each vaccinated person, it stops. Yep. Yeah, remember that one? Yeah, Joe, that one collapsed too. Oh. Cue up video number two, Guy. Here is the Pfizer CEO himself acknowledging that everything we had warned about the limitations of the vaccine is now true too. Check this, uh, check this out. Uh, and we know that um, the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster. They offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, against in, in, in deaths, I think, very good. Um, and less protection against uh, infection. Now, we are working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. I had Dr. Scott Atlas on my radio show yesterday about his new book, A Plague on Our House. It was an amazing interview. He was just incredible. He was on the Trump COVID task force. He had some stunning insider account stories that are in his book. Again, it's called A Plague on Our House if you want to pick it up. But one of the things he brought up that they knew early on uh, was that the vaccine had some limitations and they probably shouldn't jump to conclusions. They found out later as the data came in that the vaccine may be a personal mitigation measure that may protect you against death or hospitalization. But the vaccine is clearly at no point anymore, the vaccines we have now, a public health mitigation measure. In other words, it may help you privately, but it is doing almost nothing to stop the spread of this Omicron. Don't take my word for it. I just played for you the darn Pfizer CEO saying the same thing. That's why I laugh at these idiots uh, and at these companies, Cumulus included, where I work with these vaccine mandates. For what? It's not, it's a, it clearly, it, Scott Atlas made this distinction. I want you to understand this. It's very important. It was the best part of the interview. This vaccine may be a private, private health measure. Like you would do if, uh, you know, if you decided to, you know, eat vegetables rather than chocolate donuts all day. That may impact your private health. It's not going to affect anyone else's health. It's your, the vaccine is now an equivalent measure here. It may help you against hospitalization and death. It is doing nothing to stop the spread of Omicron. Nothing. Your decision affects you, not other people. So what's the point of the mandate then? If it's a personal decision, what's the point? If it's not a public but yet a private health measure, what's the point? 
That'll be the next revelation when they wake up again. Here's another one just saw this morning. Been out for a few days. I missed this one. The BBC, by no means a right-leaning conservative outlet, the BBC. COVID, colon, evidence on face masks in schools is inconclusive. They could fall. <laughs> He's laughing. We got to do this every day. I, I really, I have so much fun doing this. Of the, all the things I do, uh, the Fox show, the radio show, this is the founder of the feast, the podcast, and I really love doing it. But I got to tell you, I wake up every morning sometime, like, what liberal stupidity are we going to have to dismantle piece by piece today? Here it is, all in one day. It's all coming out. We have asked the question from the start if masks work, why aren't masks working? There's now a national study in the UK where their government entity studied masks and could find no statistically significant difference between schools without mask mandates and with them. I don't, believe me, I don't expect anybody on the left to actually read this study or to change their minds. These people are imbeciles. They are married to the face diaper. They want it surgically sewn into their faces. I expect no one to actually read the data. I only take solace and pride in the fact, actually, that you and I, you and I, have been wired in to the facts and the data and asking questions from day one. And we never fell uh, fell prey to this mass formation psychosis hysteria. Ah, lefties, lose your minds on that one. What qualifications do you have? Actually, you know, you never cite your education unless it's absolutely necessary and relevant. But actually, I do have qualifications. I, when I was a graduate student in uh, psychology, focused on neuropsychology and behavioral yeah. learning for a couple of years. I know you should never do that. Yeah. Joe, that is the worst All thing right. ever, citing your credentials because you sound like a complete dipwad <laughs> when you do it. Um, but I can already see the leftists say, mass formation psychosis. What credentials could you possibly have? I don't know. What credentials do you have? You're a 19-year-old journalism grad from East Tuna Fish University who's got experience blogging in mommy's basement. Bingo. What credentials do you have? We're going to get into the credentials game. I'm just asking. Keep wearing the masks, leftists. It really, it's very helpful for us because when I see you wearing the masks, I know who to stay away from. I'm serious. Please keep wearing the mask. It is, it is, it is the right. I see people in masks. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that guy's a lefty. Yeah. The, the thing does nothing. It doesn't do anything to stop this. My gosh. Keep putting your kids in masks too, leftists. That way I know who my kids should stay away from too. Here. We warned you about Fauci a while ago, too. Did we not? We said, Dr. Fauci, this guy doesn't seem so genuine. Keeps taking different positions on different things. Touting efficacy of the vaccine before the full data set was out. Telling you not to wear a mask, then to wear a mask, then to wear a double mask. Uh, telling, touting all these lockdowns and never acknowledging the failure of the lockdowns and the mental health crisis. Dr. Fauci, paid for by your public tax dollars, He's not your foot doctor for the ingrown toenail. He is a public health professional, supposedly. We were on to Fauci's games a long time ago. Piers Project Veritas struck again, James O'Keefe's group. Hat tip to them. This is just some really shocking video. A whistleblower gave them a document from DARPA, some military representative at our Defense Research Projects agency there, that DARPA talking about gain-of-function research, which remember Dr. Fauci was pretty clear. We don't do gain-of-function research. Really? You don't? Because it's really weird. Project Veritas has this video out now. I encourage you to watch the whole thing. Here's about a minute of it, where they show that the government was well aware of the fact that groups like EcoHealth Alliance were trying to get money allocated over for gain-of-function research, even when they denied it was gain-of-function research. Really weird. I thought Fauci said we weren't doing any of this. Here, watch for yourself. Project Veritas has obtained a separate report to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense, written by the U.S. Marine Corps Major Joseph Murphy, a former DARPA fellow. Major Murphy makes claims in his report to the Inspector General that, if true, could be damning to the official narrative that has been played out to the world over the past two years. Major Murphy's report states that EcoHealth Alliance approached DARPA in March 2018 seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function research of bat-borne coronaviruses. DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too dangerous and could violate the gain-of-function moratorium, 
despite EcoHealth's position that it would not. According to the documents, the NIAID, under the direction of Dr. Fauci, did not reject the proposal. They went ahead with the research at Wuhan and several sites across the U.S. So here's the question. If the Department of Defense, the same people who make our nuclear arsenal, felt this research was too dangerous to proceed with, why in the world did the NIH, NIAID, and EcoHealth Alliance recklessly disregard the risks involved? I don't know, James. I don't know. That's a really good question, and I'm glad you're asking it. That's what journalists do. James O'Keefe's more of a journalist than these leftist hacks and bloggers at the Washington Post and New York Times and the New Yorker will ever be. It's kind of an important question, no? Why the United States government was concerned about funds going to a Wuhan lab that may have been magnifying the power of viruses to affect and kill human beings. Kind of an important question, no? Question is only, only being asked on the right. Why? Because the left saw Dr. Fauci as a weapon against Donald Trump. The left then started kissing the ass of Dr. Fauci every day, worshiping him like a Roman Greek god, giving him a Zeus of the Olympus Fauci. I mean, it's pathetic. The sycophantic acolytes kissing this man's ass 24 hours a day is a disgrace to humankind. No one asking serious questions. Rand Paul has some serious questions for him today, I'm sure. And I cannot wait till the midterm elections. Yes, your vote matters. I cannot wait till the midterm elections when we take the House and hopefully the Senate. And this man is under investigation for his role in creating one of the greatest public health disasters in human history. As James says in the beginning of that video, the narrative is collapsing. The leftist narrative that Dr. Fauci is, is some golden calf to be worshipped is collapsing by the second. I warned you a little while ago as well about reading data from the CDC whose credibility has been entirely eviscerated. Double and triple check Anything coming out of their CDC, they are a completely politicized organization who I believe in our lifetimes will never regain the credibility they've lost by engaging in pure political plays rather than scientific and public health activities. They will not in our lifetime regain their credibility, and they did it. Do not trust these people. Their study on masks was an embarrassment. Remember that study? Was it the Kentucky study they were touting on masks? was an embarrassment. Even leftist scientists were like, this study's a joke. And I had told you to be careful. Remember, that was it the Arizona study too? Oh, schools were open. The schools weren't even open to study masks. They weren't even open. You were comparing schools that were open versus schools that weren't. And I had said to you a few weeks ago, I don't play the cuts of me saying it, you heard it, that when you're doing scientific research, you have to be careful to read it properly. You don't have to be a trained scientist, but when you learn to read research and learn to read confounding variables and the pot potential pollution of a study by confounding variables, you'll never unsee it again. I'll explain more on that. Let me get to my second sponsor. I'm going to explain more on that in a second. How the CDC is well aware of confounding variables that pollute data, but now they're trying to express to you again how deadly and dangerous coronaviruses to kids, which is not true. So they're pumping another study. Oh my gosh, kids with corona, you can get diabetes. Again, even leftist scientists are like, that's ah, not exactly what the study nails down. Not exactly. Unbelievable. Science, real science should win the day. Not this nonsense now. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. So here's what I'm talking about. 
you do not have to be a scientist to understand this, but even the lay person, you need to understand the pollution effect of confounding variables. Very simply, here's what I mean. If you're taking a, say you're doing a study on drug A for blood pressure, right? And you don't control for potentially polluting variables. and You don't randomly assign people to groups, right? Let's say you just pick a bunch of people who on January 1st, you don't know it because you didn't ask, but who just started a workout program in the gym, right? For their New Year's resolution. It's a good example. Self-praise things. And you start the study on this blood pressure medication on January 1st. And then in group B, you give people, uh, you know, a, a, another drug or whatever it may be, and nothing happens or whatever. And you say, look, this group A, this is incredible. The results were amazing of this blood pressure drug. Their blood pressure for the group dropped 10 points. Drug A definitely did this. Did it? What did you have a confounding polluting variable? The fact that everybody in your group A started working out at the exact same time. Was it the drug or was it the workout? The answer, I don't know, but either do you. That's why we try to control for confounding variables by randomizing people, so randomly selecting people for each group. That way the effects of exercise would be distributed over both groups and not isolated to group A. Does that make sense? I want to get overly complicated. Yeah. But that's just basic science. That's science in the seventh grade. You want to isolate the effects of a variable. The CDC keeps, they know this, folks. These are not stupid people. I mean, we can insult them all. They're not stupid. They know what they're doing. Rochelle Walensky and the CDC knows that if you don't isolate an experimental effect, you're going to get polluted data. They don't care. They wanted to tell you masks worked in schools, so they compared schools, some that were open and some weren't, and said, oh, yeah, yeah, it was the mask that did it. Maybe it was the fact that the school was closed that did it. Who knows? They did the same thing again. Look at this just a news story in my newsletter. Here it is. They did it again. Medical experts shred the latest CDC COVID-19 study, even as the agency director echoes lockdown skeptics. They did it again, trying to show COVID and kids is super dangerous and, you know, could be related to diabetes later on. Here, from the piece by Greg Piper. Read this in my newsletter today, Bongino.com slash newsletter. The researchers used a single ICD-10-CM code. They did not include laboratory data at the time of diagnosis and cannot reliably distinguish between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, the study says. It's also missing information on covariates, confounding variables, folks, in other words, including obesity that could have affected the association between infection and diabetes. Here we go. You lump a bunch of people into a group that had COVID, all who happen to be clinically obese at the time. Here's a shocker, Joe. You may get more diabetes in that group. You think the COVID did it? Or you think the uh, eating too many Big Macs did it? The answer is, we don't know. And either do you at the CDC. Is this hard? This is stunning. I really, how often? I've never lost the debate to a liberal, yet they will consistently claim we're the intellectual Neanderthals, and they're on the, uh, the top of the totem pole in the hierarchy of aptitude and achievement in their intellectual capabilities and achievement, right? And yet they can't get anything right ever, and they get wrecked every day on this show. You didn't know that? That if you don't control for the eating behavior and potential obesity of people in your, in your uh, subject, in your design, in your subject class, that you may have a confounding variable there for diabetes? You didn't know that? Of course, of course, they, he's like, they, of course they knew it. Rochelle Walensky and the CDC, they got other doctors telling them, by the way, that the quote, the CDC must do better. Read the piece. You don't think they knew this? They have an agenda. COVID's going to kill your kids. Subjugate yourself to Joe Biden's edicts, the Pino, the president name only, the rotting bag of bones in the White House. It's so dangerous. Your kids could get diabetes. You know what will give your kids diabetes? 65 pounds of fast food a week. You think they don't know this? They're just lying to you. Folks, please, for the small sliver of this audience left, because most of you have already gotten it. I hate to kind of beat this up. But for the small sliver that may not get it yet, I'm asking you, please disregard the nonsense coming from these people. They will steer you wrong. 
always look for the truth because it's not coming from them. How do these narratives spread though? Diabetes, COVID, how do they spread these false narratives? Faulty research. Masks work, even though masks aren't working. People in the hospital uh, because of COVID, meanwhile, they're there, many of them with COVID. How do they spread? They spread because of people like producers at MSNBC and CNN who lie to you all the time. You know, on my show, I'm very proud. My show on Fox, 75% of the time, we have a rebuttal segment. We allow a Democrat to come on and debate. They always lose because they never know what they're talking about. But we make it an actual regular segment of the show. The reason we only do it 75% of the time is because it's hard to find Democrats to come on because they're cowards. Very few will. You rarely, rarely, if ever, see that on MSNBC and CNN. Why? Because you get people. Uh, who was the, the CRT guy? It was the CRT guy that went on with Joy Reid and just, this, remember that, Guy? And just crushed her on her own show and humiliated her. Do you notice that rarely happens on conservative news networks? Because liberals never know what they're talking about, and we do. I forget what it was, but just, was it Rufo? Yeah, Christopher Rufo. Just, we played that clip on the show, just wrecked and embarrassed Joy Reid. And her. Well, they, they, there was a beautiful thing. They will not have conservatives on their network, or any Republican for that matter. Here, Fox News Story, read this in the newsletter, see what I'm talking about. So apparently Rachel Maddow wanted to attack uh, Representative Madison Cawthorn, who is a Republican, right? About some, uh, you know, January 6th. You know, that's her only question. So they wanted to attack him and wanted to get a comment. But you can see they sent him an email to his office, right? They sent an email, excuse me, to another outlet. And it got leaked to his office. And they were a little worried, quote, that if they inquire with Cawthorn, he might want to come on and explain. I know that's highly doubtful, but I don't want to take the risk. <laughs> this idiot. Oh, that's definitely a, this moron. CC someone from Cawthorn's office doesn't even realize it. They want to ask him a question, but they're afraid to because they're afraid Cawthorn might actually come on the show and debate them about it. Hilarious. Hilarious. The Maddow show wants to attack someone, but won't even invite them on the show to respond and is worried if they ask for a response, they'll actually ask to come on the show because they're so afraid. You wonder, it is pathetic. You wonder how these narratives cement and concrete themselves in the minds of impressionable dopey libs around America. Because when people get to come on and challenge the narrative or could come on, they freak out ask him. If we ask him, he may want to come on and answer the question. God forbid that happens. All right, let me get to this video coming up next. Speaking of misinformation, again, why do these narratives set? Why do liberals believe this alternate universe that doesn't exist actually does exist? How are they so convinced? How is the gaslighting so effective? Well, when given the chance to correct known, factually inaccurate material and misinformation, the left doesn't only not do it, they double down and defend these people. I'll show you a video of Saki doing exactly that next. Okay, here's what I mean. How do these false realities on the left continue to exist? Mask, you gotta wear a mask, gonna save us, gonna save us all. That's it. Okay, sure, sure. You keep telling yourself. Well, it happens, and the reason liberals are paranoid and injecting their kids and triple masking their kids and putting their kids in, like, wrapping them in saran wrap because they're so afraid. They're so afraid. Don't do that, by the way. Don't do what stupid liberals do. I'm exaggerating, of course. But don't do stupid things. Stupid things are not good, especially when it comes to your kids. Why do they believe this, and why are they so paranoid about their kids? Because misinformation, like the misinformation spouted by Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, ridiculously claiming that there are 100,000 kids in the hospital because of coronavirus when 100,000 kids have not been hospitalized for, uh, with coronavirus during the entire pandemic. There are 3,000 in the hospital. She's off by a factor of, uh, excuse me, by 97,000 kids. Just a small bit. The White House was given a chance yesterday to correct this. Nope, they won't do it because Jen Psaki says, you know, they don't, liberals and stuff, they don't really comment the White House and stuff. Joe, they don't comment on the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. well, well, really? Yeah. Really? That's fascinating. It's good to know. Good to know. Get, oh, Joe, hold that for a moment. Here is Jen Psaki here, given the opportunity to correct it. And she passes completely, just punts because that's what they do. Check this out. You guys have been very aggressive countering COVID misinformation. So what do you guys think about 
COVID misinformation coming from the Supreme Court and Sonia Sotomayor's false claim that over 100,000 children are in serious condition, many on ventilators. Well, I'm not going to speak to Supreme Court arguments or statements uh, made in those arguments, uh, but I will tell you that what is at stake here is our effort to protect health workers and, most importantly, protect patients with the CMS rule and also to make workplaces safer with the OSHA rule, which we have confidence in our legal uh, argument for. So I will leave it to them uh, to decide, but that's what's being argued. What a phony. What a phony, fake fraud. These people don't have a shred of dignity left. You know what? I should have cut this clip. Jim, see if you can pull this for later for the radio. This is my fault. Gee, you remember the Biden Surgeon General? Remember him going up at the podium, what was it, three months ago and saying that COVID misinformation was a public health crisis? You remember yeah. that? We played it in the show. Yeah, we're going to put that in the radio show later. <laughs> Clear as day. Clear as day. When out there, our Surgeon General and name only under the Biden administration said COVID misinformation is a public health crisis. She has the opportunity at the same podium to correct factually inaccurate misinformation from a Supreme Court justice. And because Sonia Sotomayor is a dyed in the wool liberal, she won't do it because she doesn't have the guts. She doesn't have the guts. And then part two of that, she says, well, we're not going to correct this obvious lie and misinformation, which is exclusively the domain of the left now. The left are the disinformation, misinformation merchants. Exclusively. Exclusively. She says in the second part, well, you know, we try not to comment on the Supreme Court. Basically, we're not, I'm not going to sit here and insult the Supreme Court. You're not. It's kind of weird because all I put in was Joe Biden, Clarence Thomas. And this came up. From a guy I really like, David Harsani. Detroit News, March 18, 2020. An opinion piece by Harsani where he comments on Ayanna Presley and a bunch of uh, liberals attacking Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. He says, on the day Chuck Schumer was threatening Supreme Court justices, and I, I thought we didn't do that. I thought the left didn't do that. In front of uh, cheering partisans, Representative Ayanna Presley, squad member, told the same crowd, quote, we have two alleged sexual predators on the bench of the highest court of the land with the power to determine our reproductive freedoms. I still believe Anita Hill, and I still believe Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Joe, I, I, thought, I, 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 I thought we weren't doing that. Hmm. I thought Senator Schumer's not supposed to be attacking the Supreme Court, although he was, mm -hmm. according to this government. I thought we're not supposed to be calling Supreme Court justices sexual predators. Joe, seems like they were... Maybe they were lying. Yeah. Maybe Saki just thinks it. I think Saki's princi principles here with air quotes are it's perfectly okay to attack conservative and GOP appointed members of the Supreme Court, even to make it personal and call them sexual predators. But when Sonia Sotomayor died in the wall leftist, who's one of the dumbest human beings in the legal profession, right? Says something so factually inaccurate. It's humiliating. Let it be just like the Beatles. Let it be. Let it be. Just let it go. Let it go, daddy-o, because misinformation's A-OK -okay, as long as it's coming from our side and fosters the narrative that coronavirus is some mass threat to kids. Listen, I'm not going to go through this whole piece, but it's in my newsletter. Please take a look at this. It's a good one. It's by the opinion section at the Washington Examiner. It's titled Justice Sotomayor phones it in. Folks, they go through the fact that it wasn't just the 100,000 children in the hospital number that Sotomayor got wrong. She said Omicron's as deadly as Delta, totally made up, entirely factually inaccurate. And they go through other things she said as well. Folks, I'm going to say today on my show, and I mean it, I hate when people call for this stuff and they don't mean it, but it's really time Sonia Sotomayor stepped aside. Oh, Dan, she was just appointed a few years ago, nominated and confirmed. Folks, she needs to step aside. The woman is one of the nine most powerful members of any court in the known cosmos. She has the power to change your life like that with how she decides on an issue in front of the court. The woman is clearly intellectually incompetent and is destroying the credibility of the court by the second. Elena Kagan and Breyer were just as bad during the hearing. Sonia Sotomayor should step down immediately. Immediately. Will she? She'll probably laugh this off. I'm not joking. She has shown herself to be completely incompetent 
and a merchant of misinformation and disinformation that's going to get people hurt. Folks, I just want to show you something quickly, though, how the market for misinformation on the left is drying up. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, you know, I invest in the parallel economy. I'm an investor in Rumble. I was an investor early on in Parler. I've been an investor in a new payment platform I have coming out. I am very happy to announce very shortly. Stay tuned. New and improved even more. But I wanted to compare two stocks, showing you what people have to put their money where their mouth is, how the misinformation economy on the left is not doing too well. You know, it's the five-year anniversary as of yesterday, right, of the BuzzFeed launch of the dossier story. That was five years, believe it? Joe, five years ago, man. man. Doesn't it seem like yeah. you and I started yesterday? I don't want to get sidetracked, but you and I in, the, in my basement, you with the drill, drilling the microphone into that crappy old yeah, desk. Remember just that? talking to Joey about and, it. And in the yeah. desk, yeah, man, the desk was such garbage. You like split it in half. The thing, the thing was made of like, uh, it was made of like balsa wood or something. We had no money, but we had like moving blankets. I, I really, it seems like, yeah, you and I have been on some journey together, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just crazy. It just brings back memories. But it just here you go. The missive that's it's five years. I mean, BuzzFeed five years ago launched this dossier. And the Spygate story was really how the how that that's where I was going with that. I'm sorry, where the podcast really exploded. Here is the ticker symbol for the company uh for Rumble. Rumble's basically gone public under CFVI. I took this this morning. All green. We launched at a ten dollar share price. It's up to twelve dollars. Pretty nice jump <laughs> since it launched. Here's BuzzFeed which launched at a $10 share price too, which is down to four three nine, cut in half. It's all red. Why? Misinformation, ladies and gentlemen, there's no market for it. Even the lefties, even the lefties outside of a small group don't like to be lied to repeatedly over and over and over. You see these truth platforms, these free speech platforms like Rumble, value goes up, BuzzFeed goes public. Here you go, BuzzFeed. Er, verdict is in. Your company sucks. Okay. Some more news. A lot happened yesterday. I know the news cycle seems slow, and yesterday it was, even for a Monday, kind of a little bit. We had a lot of weekend stuff to get to. But um, there's actually a lot going on. Uh, here's one of those stories I don't want you to miss, because what happens to California happens countrywide. California sneezes. The country gets cold, right? Single-payer health care, in other words, government-run, bureaucratic, rationed health care, stunningly is making a comeback in California again. You know, they tried to pass a single-payer, government-run health care bill in California. It didn't work because it would have cost an absurd something like $400 million, and that, even that was an understatement. It probably would have bankrupted the state. Shockingly, despite the fact that government-run health care can't work because it will never work, is back in California. Again, the Wall Street Journal has a piece on it. Everyone, oh, it's just California. It's not just California. What happens there happens everywhere. It's back on the menu. And notice what they say in the Wall Street Journal editorial board about it, that the new proposal for government-run health care in California, it would ban private health care for services covered by the government-run health care, ban it. Oh. A board, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this, Joe. A board of bureaucrats, California bureaucrats, would c- control costs, i.e., ration care. Deliberations about rationed healthcare decisions would be concealed from the public. The legislation, quote, get a load of this one, imposes a limitation on the public's right of access to the meeting of public bodies. Ha! Ah, this is hilarious. You suckers, liberal suckers, I should say, to be clear. In California, you're going to fall for this again? Do you know how dumb you have to be? Listen, I don't want to spend a lot of time in this story because I've addressed it many times before. But why will government-run health care, whether in California, whether federally at the United States government level, in the UK, why does it not work? It doesn't work because it can't work. Ladies and gentlemen, any service or product on planet Earth, gavels, uh, coins, challenge coins, uh, doctor's services, product or service, every single one of them has to be allocated, right? There are only two ways to allocate resources, food, water, doctor's time, gavels. You can price them so that people who want them can go work and buy them, or you can ration them. If you have 100 gavels and 120 people need them, then there's two ways. It, it just, is, is, there any, is this complicated? 
There's two ways for the gavels to be distributed. You don't have enough. Everything is scarce. We don't have unlimited supplies of anything. You can either ration them and pick the 100 out of the 120 people who get the gavels, or you can price them and see who wants them the most. There is no third way. Do you understand? Liberals, listen, listen. Cotton out of the ears, in the mouth for a minute. Okay? There is no third way. If you can tell me a third way to allocate resources, I will pass you on to the Nobel Committee where you will be nominated for an economic prize from Nobel. There is no third way. You can either price health care or ration it. That's it. The government rations health care. Simple as that. There is no third way. Think about that. All right, moving on. Another story I wanted to get to. This will be up Bongino Report. Uh, if you haven't been using Bongino Report, I haven't mentioned in a while. I should. I saw this yesterday. I have an editor. I don't pick uh, the stories for Bongino Report. Sometimes I'll send one over, but uh, that's only once or twice a week. I have a really great editor, Matt Palumbo, and he picks all the stories. It is the conservative alternative to Drudge Report. It's BonginoReport.com. The traffic there has been incredible. Thank you very much. We are exploding um, in new traffic. BonginoReport.com. So I was reading it, as I do, every morning, and I saw this story. Have you heard about data poisoning? Listen, I did a Fox segment on my show this weekend about the dangers of artificial intelligence and how a lot of people on the left, and candidly, some on the right, are falling in love with the potential of artificial intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, artificial intelligence scares the hell out of me. Um, It does. It does for a number of reasons. Um, artificial intelligence is artificial. There are no human limitations. There are no emotions built in. There's no empathy. There's no sympathy. There's no nothing. It's a computer version of what God gave us. It scares me. Now, I read this story about data poisoning and data poisoning attacks on AI, and I was like, holy Moses, I didn't think of that one. So when you give a machine the power of artificial intelligence and it engages in machine learning, in other words, a machine is taught to say, read a stop sign, a computer in a car, and a self-driving car says, you see stop sign, you stop, right? Well, apparently, malicious actors, which are everywhere, I wish there weren't many, but there are, including malicious governments, had figured out, well, gosh, what if we taught the machine that the stop sign didn't mean stop, Joe, but that the stop sign meant speed up? Well, that could cause a problem, no? It's called data poisoning, and it's very real. This is from an article from uh, USNI. It's at BonginoReport.com. It'll also be in my newsletter today. Quote, data poisoning attacks are real. The problem is not theoretical, and there are plenty of real-world examples. For example, Google's AI algorithms have been tricked into seeing turtles as rifles. Joe, that sounds like kind of a problem, though. A A Chinese firm convinced the Tesla to drive into oncoming traffic and countless more. The military applications for data poisoning attacks are especially troubling. Automated defenses could be made to ignore dangerous threats, misidentify friendly forces as the enemy, destroy themselves, and so on. In other words, a machine-fed attack patterns and its training could be inherently flawed, and when shown an attack pattern in the field, could be controlled by the enemy. If every machine was trained on the same data set, every machine would be controlled. That sounds like it's kind of a problem. Think we should look into that, folks. I, I I I have been warning about this. Joe and I have been discussing this topic for years. Yep. When I talk about things like self driving, when uh, how the how the turnover, how um, you know, we learn through various mechanisms and behavioral learning. Computers cannot possibly emulate that. Everything is artificial. How do you teach a computer to make a decision when it's driving a car? If something jumps out in front of it to either drive into oncoming traffic or to mow the woman down with the carriage. Have you you asked yourself that? Self-driving cars driving down the street. You have oncoming traffic coming right at you this way, right? Here you go. Woman jumps out of the street with a baby in the carriage. What do you do? Well, you may be able to figure it out. Maybe drive on the sidewalk, hit a wall instead. I mean, these are none of them are good choices, right? How do you teach a computer that? You have to write a rule for that, right? You want the computer to learn that? Well, if I mow down the baby and the kid, 
I won't cause a wreck in oncoming traffic. How do you write a rule for that? Have we figured all this out yet? How do you write a learning program for that? AI could be very useful. Keep your eyes open to it. Don't fall into this leftist trap, falling in love with technology as if it's never going to have a downside. Okay, let me get to my next sponsor. And then Saki does it again. Dodging a question about the triple vax people spreading COVID. Again, reiterating what I told you about Scott Atlas, about the vaccine yesterday during the interview. He was great. He was an awesome interview. Okay, just quickly, I should have played it before, but I wanted, I love mixing in some video within the show. Kind of breaks up, uh, breaks up the show into elements and stuff, giving you some inside baseball, how we work here. But here's Jen Psaki yesterday. He asked a great question about Peter Ducey. What's the damn point of a vaccine mandate if it's a personal healthcare measure and not a public one? If it's not sp- preventing the spread, then what's the darn point of mandating it on people? What's the point? She, of course, she doesn't have an answer. Watch her duck the question and then use her own personal anecdote. Oh, well, I got COVID triple vaccine. It was no big deal. It was a big deal to me. It was a big deal to me. It really sucked. Here, check this out. I understand that the science says that vaccines prevent death, but I'm triple vaxxed, still got COVID. You're triple vaxxed, still got COVID. Why is the president still referring to this as a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, I, I think, Peter, there's a significant difference between, and you just you just experienced this, and not to expose your public health experience, but I can speak to mo- mine as well. I had been triple vaxxed. I had minor symptoms. There is a huge difference between that and being unvaccinated. You are 17 times more likely to go to the hospital if you're not vaccinated, 20 times more likely to die. And those are significant, serious statistics. So yes, the impact uh, for people who are unvaccinated is far more than those who are vaccinated. No, no, no. This is the one time we disagree. He said she doesn't answer at all. You're right. No, I shouldn't say I disagree. You are right. She doesn't answer the public health question at all. But again, this is where we do deeper dives than the dopes on the liberal left, okay? It is very different claiming that a vaccine is a... You, you could make the case, I'm not saying a legal case, but make a moral case at least, and a sound scientific case. Again, not a legal one. I'm not for mandates. Are we clear? Please don't email me. It's Dan. You're making the argument. For, I am not making the argument. I despise. I'm in a ongoing war with my, my radio syndicator over this now. I di- totally vehemently disagree with mandates. Entirely unconstitutional and immoral. But you could make a scientific case for public health if the vaccines were effective at stopping infection. In other words, you could say, Someone else's decision would affect me because if they get the vaccine, they then can't spread it to me in my house. Not an argument for a mandate, but it could be a science-based argument on public health. Everybody get it? The public health argument is separate. Right. Notice what she does there. She doesn't answer at all Peter Ducey's concerns that the public health argument is not there. It doesn't stop transmission of the virus at all. She answers ironically and makes Peter Ducey's point by talking about her personal situation and how the vaccine can personally, not publicly help us. You get it? She doesn't answer the public health question at all. You're right. But she does answer it with the wrong answer, making Peter Ducey's point. Peter should have come back and said, okay, I'm not disputing what you said, but notice what you just, you just made the case for a personal health care decision, not a public health measure. Did you pick up on that? She'd be like, uh, give me the football, Charlie Brown. She doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> she has no idea what she's doing. She just made the opposite case. That it is a personal health care decision, not a Supreme Court public health mandate decision. Meanwhile, Saki. All right, let's end the show today. Let's skip ahead, Guy, on some uh, kind of really, uh, I, I like these videos. We got to feel good sometimes, you know? Got to feel good, man. World's not about being down all the time. We got the fights ahead of us, but I saw this this morning. So congratulations to Georgia. I was kind of hoping Alabama won. Uh, my daughter's, a uh, friend of my daughter goes to Alabama. My, uh, my nephew, James, who's a great kid who knows more about sports than I think anyone on planet Earth. He's a young, young, little young man, but he's a good kid. 
He loves Alabama, Bryce Young. Oh, they lost last night, which is a shocker. I got to tell you, I thought Alabama was going to wreck them. I really did, especially after that SEC championship game. I thought it was over. Georgia won. So uh, good for you, dogs, man. I went saw the dogs play Florida at Jacksonville this year, and they were unbelievable. Their defense is crazy. Bennett, quarterback, walk-on, great story, man. I didn't think they had it in them to win, but they did. They beat Nick Saban. But Nick Saban's a class act, man. He was Nick Saban after the game. Of course, they lost. He's the coach of Alabama, for those of you who aren't huge sports fans. And he's with the quarterback, Bryce Young. And uh, they're asking Bryce Young and, uh, and uh, was it Williams, another player? I forget who it was, the other player. I'm sorry. Um, but they ask Bryce Young a question, and they're done. And they're, they're like, okay, you guys can go back to the locker room, whatever. And Nick Saban says, no, no. No, no, don't go anywhere. Uh, stay right here. I want, to, I want to do something. This is class here. Check this out. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team. Uh, and they, they contributed tremendously to the success of this team. And we would not be here without them. All right? And both of them take responsibility for the loss. Um, but both of them contributed in a lot of ways, in a positive way, to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win. So I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys. Thank you, Coach. Awesome, man. Yep. Just awesome. Takes a moment, right? Yeah, yeah. man. Good, very, yes, good. very good. Good job, Nick Saban. Even in a loss, takes the time to acknowledge the role of his players, take responsibility for the loss, and doesn't put the focus on him, puts it on his team. Just incredible. Very classy, very dignified approach. So great job, Nick Saban. Yeah, man, big time. You know, sometimes you can, you can win when you lose, and sometimes you can lose when you win. Um, here's another video just to end the show. You know, we lost Bob Saget, uh, <clears throat> comedian. I grew up with Bob Saget on Full House, and more importantly, I wasn't a huge Full House fan. I watch it once in a while, but more importantly on... To me, America's Funniest Home Videos, where that's what I always associated Bob Saget with. Um, died at 65 down here in Florida, cause of death unknown at this point. But he was really good friends with another really, really funny guy we lost, Norm McDonald. And um, it's kind of sad, but heartwarming in a way. Uh, during a roast of Bob Saget years ago, Norm McDonald had this to say about him at the end. This is really cool. Check this out. In all seriousness, Bob was the first comedian that I ever saw perform. Uh, when I was a boy, live, and uh, I loved him. Uh, but one thing that bonds us as comedians is we're bitter and jealous and, and we hate everyone else that has any success. But <laughs> Bob, honestly, has never had an unkind word for anybody, and uh, I love him, and I hope uh, everybody else does, so uh, I just want to say that. You know, my aunt once told me I was emotionally constipated. <laughs> she did. I actually joked with Guy about that a little while ago. You know, Norm would probably admit, uh, if he was still with us, that he was that way too, but not there. Touching moment. Uh, God rest his soul, Bob Saget. So, America's Funniest Home Videos. I remember that, watching it at my grandmother's uh, kitchen in Jackson Heights. Thanks all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Please, if I may ask a favor, please subscribe to my Rumble account. It is free. It's why I hate the word subscribe. But if you go to rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E dot com slash Bongino, please go. Uh, just click follow that subscribe button right there. You'll get my shows every day on video. We're over 2 million subscribers. I appreciate the support. I'll see you all on the radio show later. Thanks a lot. You just heard Dan Bongino.